DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined by Frank Dolce, Ute Insider and Analyst for The Zone Sports Network. Frank joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is underway. Take advantage of the Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. Hope you guys are well. Yeah, I'm feeling. We great, are well. Man. I did. I did 50 push-ups this morning, like uh, Westbrook does when he wakes up each morning to get his body in condition. So I am ready to go, Frank. How many push-ups do you do during the day or during a week? Would you say? Uh, let's see. I did them today. I did 50. So about 50. Would 50 also be like if you? took the last several weeks and counted up all your push-ups, would 50 still be the number? Yeah. What you're saying is, is 50 code for zero? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did 50 this morning. My pecs are feeling great. We're moving forward. So you did 50 today and now we're moving forward. Now you can do 50 tomorrow or the next day. I mean, you're on a roll. (laughs) Thank you. I'm trying to get rid of the rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Man... Isn't that the dumb thing about getting old? I know. It's like you do double the work, half the result, and <laughs> triple the recovery time. I know. I graduated high school at 140. I couldn't put a pound on me to save my soul <laughs> when I needed it did then. Guys, did you guys happen to see this, the uh, series on Showtime called, uh, was it called Four Kings or The Kings? I don't know. Didn't see it. With... With Roberto Duran and Thomas Hearns and Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, I'm aware of them. Four-part series. What was it about? Well, I'm. Yeah, it was just about those four guys and their careers and how they intertwined. And uh, I would, I, I, I would highly recommend it. It's cool. like I grew up in that era, so yeah. I, I, it was kind of you know, hearkening back. But I, you just mentioned that you were 140 pounds. And I never knew it, but like those guys who were these unbelievable professional boxers, like they weighed in at like 140 pounds. Yeah. I, I, it just never dawned on me that they were that, you know, they were tiny, tiny little guys. Uh-huh. I wouldn't get in the ring with them. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> well, 50 push-ups today, I mean... <laughs> Frank, there's a question on the minds of Ute fans everywhere. Having watched Oregon State run all over Utah, they're a little worried UCLA is going to do the same. Those two teams are ranked 1-2, Oregon State 1, UCLA 2. As far as rushing yards per game in Pac-12, among the Pac-12 schools, they are 1-2. and So is UCLA going to literally follow in Oregon State's footsteps? Well, they should. Uh, I mean... If I if I'm looking at the tape, then then I think that's exactly what you would do is figure out what did how did Oregon State block that up front and and then design as closely as you can your run game based on what the Beavers did because Utah just they just couldn't stop it they couldn't figure out how to stop it and I you know I I look at the scoreboard it was like they had 140 yards rushing in the first half and I just thought and Utah was up and I thought wait a second this isn't this isn't going the right way like this doesn't sound feel like it's going the right way and and then you know 
they just kept pounding the ball at the line of scrimmage. So I, I really thought Oregon State took over the game at the line of scrimmage in the second half. I thought it was a more even battle in the first half, and certainly Utah was having success on the offensive side. But uh, but, UC, but UCLA has a little bit different weapon at the quarterback position. So um, I, I said a few weeks ago the two teams that made me the most nervous about Utah's upcoming schedule were Arizona State and uh, UCLA, and then I put Oregon State third. Um, and so this is the big one. I think this is a really big matchup this weekend. Certainly a beatable team in UCLA, but they have they have so much talent and ability on the offensive side. If Utah can't figure out figure it out, then who knows? Maybe it just turns into a shooting match. I like the Utes in this game for a couple of reasons. Uh, Thompson Robinson has not been practicing. I don't believe they're as good as a passing attack because the Beavers did hit on some couple of throws there that made a difference. And I'm not sure that the Bruins can do that. And then also, the one thing that I've had time to think about this, and we had Nick Ford on, and he was talking about that you know he moved to center last season. Well, they didn't play in front of any crowds. It was like it was this totally different. He's talking about this year. Uh, early on, he had some center exchanges uh, issues with the quarterback because he was hyped up. The crowd got him going, his adrenaline and all that stuff. He was gripping the ball too tight. And so I think what's apparent to me is that this team that we thought was going to be last year because they needed to reload after 2019 when they send, what, eight, nine guys, seven guys drafted, mm-hmm. nine, ten guys go to the NFL. And that's very impressive, right? Half of your starters basically are in the NFL today yeah. uh, when you include the 22. And so we looked at last year as a reloading year. And then they got, f- what, five games out there, but they were they weren't really anything close. You, you, there's no way you can equate playing in Provo to anything you did last year. It's just it's impossible. And there's no way you can equate playing at uh, Oregon State uh, like what you had last year. So basically what we thought we were going to get last year, we're getting an extension of it this year because all these young guys are having to get this experience. And you look at it, they're 4-3. and three. Interestingly, all three games that they've lost have been on the road, which is a sign of an inexperienced, immature team. And we thought they were past that. So I think I underestimated that. So as I step back and look at it through seven games, I can see where they're at this year because of what happened last year. If they had a normal year last year, then I wouldn't say it, but they didn't. So that's where they're at this year. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, uh, it, it certainly does give you a sign, a, a sign of the maturity of the team, uh, the road losses. I think they're getting close, and I think they've been close, but but they just it's it's like you have to win a messy game, you have to win a blowout game, you have to win a game on the road. I mean, these are all the things that help mature a, a football team, and so uh, that's the that it seems like that's the missing piece is the game. On the road now. Fortunately, I think for Utah, if you look at the if you look at the upcoming games, um, well, they have UCLA at home. They have Oregon at home. And Colorado. Um, so Stanford and, and, and Arizona away. Stanford and Arizona away. So so maybe you say, okay, Arizona. That's a that's a very gettable game. Yep. 
on the road. Um, Stanford, who knows what Stanford is? Exactly. I mean, precisely. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what Stanford is? But you have three three games at home that two of your toughest opponents. So that's I think that's really yeah. that's, you know that's a good that's a good thing for Utah. But Which yeah, is why I think I, they're going to win the division. You do well. I, that, I do. Yeah. I, you know. I'm not. I'm not so far behind you on that. I mean, I think that's. I think that's a real. I think that's a real possibility. And if you want, if you looked at what Utah did against Oregon State, even with, you know, giving up the massive amounts of yards on the road um, against Oregon State, um, I'm not saying Utah should have won that game because if they should have won the game, then they would have scored twice from the right. one yard line, right. and and they wouldn't have given up a blocked punt. But they certainly had opportunities to win that game, even with. The you know the the really rough defensive effort against the run. So I like this football team. I like what Cam Cam Rising is doing. You know he's probably he, he would he would want a couple plays back in that Oregon State game. He missed a guy in the back of the end zone. Maybe that makes a difference. Who knows? But but uh, and 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 I like the way the offensive and defensive fronts have come along. I just. You know, I just happen to think that Oregon State's a pretty darn good football team, and they're really well coached. So as much as I want to say, well, Utah should have done, Utah could have done, I, you know, I think you have to give a little credit to, to Oregon State because of what they did and what they accomplished. That's a, good, that's a good football team. But I do like Utah moving forward. So I'm curious, and this gets pretty optimistic, so maybe it's just, you know, wishing for what you're going to see and thinking you're seeing it, but the first four games, the Ute offense wasn't very productive. And there's a lot of, if you go through their stats, there's a lot of games where they, uh, I mean, the first game against Weber State set it aside because they had their 450 yards against Weber State. But the next three games, you know, the offense is cranking out about 350 yards a game. These last three games, like 455, 468, 493 yards, if you're cranking out that kind of yardage every week, you're the number one offense in the Pac-12. Oregon State leads at like 445 yards per game. Do you think the Utes have taken a real step And what we've seen in October? They've achieved a level that they could not do in September. This is now who they are, because if it is who they are, they've got a chance to win these high-scoring games you're talking about, assuming... They don't have multiple problems in the red zone like they had at Oregon State, where they had them, but they still scored 34 points. And if they hadn't had them, then yeah. it could have been half a hundred, as the old ball coach likes to say. Yes, yes, yes. A wonderful phrase. So, I, I think that what we've seen out of uh, of this Utah football team is uh, glimpses of being like that good like if they play up to their potential like we saw in lots of lots of plays against USC half against Washington State maybe half against Oregon State if they play up to that potential then I don't see deficiencies I don't see any deficiencies like they can score a lot they can stop people Um, they're good in special teams so they should win a lot of games if they're playing at their highest level. But then, then the the other side of it is that you see, you, you actually see you saw two blocked punts. One got called back because number eight showed up twice on the field for Oregon State. Um, and and then you see this 
inefficiency at the goal line pop up. And then you see, you know, a 58-yard run pop up. So, uh, and that's that's not an A effort. You know, if, if Utah's playing at their A effort, I don't see deficiencies with the team. But, the, you know, the problem is they just, it's no team plays up to their A effort all the time. So Utah's going to have to eliminate as much as possible or limit, you know, the, the C effort, the average effort, um, or, or I, I shouldn't say effort. It's not, I, I don't want to make it sound like these guys aren't trying. It's, it's a C productivity, you know, below average productivity. If they get into that, then they, that they get th- themselves in trouble. But, but when they're, when they're on top of their game, I, they're, I think they're really good. Yeah, yeah. It's just that they have a level of inconsistency right now that they're mm-hmm. going to have to work through. And we'll see it. We'll see it over time. And they do need they do need some, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, seminal moments away from their crowd. You know, they got it in 2018. They got it against Washington on that uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and then and then and and one of the guys <clears throat> said to me as we we're walking off the field, "We don't, we've never had a win like this since we've been in this conference. This is exactly what we needed. Now we can take off." And yeah. from then on out, the next year they only lose one conference game, and they run mm-hmm. away. They run away with the division, and so I I think, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I mean, actually, Kyle said this on Monday. He said, you know, we're going to be okay in the long term. And to me, they're going to go in next year as a heavy favorite to win the South. And and it's going to be, in terms of the favorite, it's going to be like it was two years ago. But they needed this time to reload. And last year, and you can't really have uh, pity on them because last year was screwy for everybody. It's just that they were the team that lost so much the year before. You see what I'm saying? So the circumstances were different, and they'll come out of it. And and next year, I think they'll be really good, and they'll be okay this year. Just I think we just underestimated this developing process that they needed. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the youth of the team, um, the inability uh, to to understand who should be the the starting five up front, the, the quarterback issue, um, figuring out how to be how, how Utah plays at the defensive front, the defensive front seven, the defensive line. All of those things are. I mean, it's a young, it's a young group. I think in one in one game this year, Utah had eight uh, under, maybe eight freshmen, eight underclassmen on the defensive side um, of the ball in a in a game. Right. Uh, it's a, it's just a young, you know, it's a young and it's a developing football team, and so, and we don't. I mean, we we just feel like as fans, we're always like, well, you know, you just reload, right? And you just reload, and you just reload, and you know, that's that's so difficult. That's so difficult to do, and uh, and so I I you know what whatever Coach Whittingham has done with this this crew to get them back on track. Um, and to get to the point where where we can say like if this team's playing up to its potential, they're they're a really tough out. Like they're they're not going to lose many games when they're playing up to their potential. They could find themselves, you know, in a in a very nice situation at the end of the year. I think that's a tremendous coaching job. There were there were times early in the season where we thought, oh man, this Utah football team they may not get to 500. I mean, that, and that's an enormous turnaround to this point. 
Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, join us. Talking about the Utah-UCLA game, and uh, I, am, I am curious in this one, when you look at the receiving group, how much faith do you have in the guys who are in the middle of this process PK's talking about to make big plays at big times, whether it's uh, Kincaid adjusting to this level of football, uh, Devon Vele's come on and made some plays, anybody else you've seen. What do you think about the ability of the receivers to make big plays in a passing game with the game on the line against a quality opponent like UCLA? I love the tight end group. Uh, and I, I don't know if, if Kincaid adjusted to this level of play. I think he's always been playing at this level. And now he's just in the, he's just in the right spot. Like that, that guy is really good. Keithy is really good. Fotheringham's really good, but because those other t- two guys are so good, you hardly talk about them. So the tight end group is fantastic. I think you, you can rely on those guys to go make you play almost any time you need someone to make a play. And then, um, and then the biggest surprise to me, the most pleasant surprise to me, has been the evolution of the receiving group. Coach Whittingham talked about all of the talent he had at the receiving group and three games in, I think we were still kind of scratching our heads like, where, okay, where are all these guys? I mean, he's talking about they've hardly caught a pass. You know, nobody's getting separation. Nothing's happening with this group. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you're talking about Theo Howard, um, the guy that we thought we'd be talking about Solomon Enos, I think he just had one catch against Oregon State. Uh, and you're talking about guys like Money Parks. And, um, of course, we're talking about Britton Covey because every time he touches the ball, it's pretty exciting. Dixon. And I'm, I'm and, and Jalen Dixon, I, I know I'm leaving guys out. But, but so, so that's, I think to me, that's the biggest, that's the group that's, that has made the biggest impact, a, a group that we didn't, we weren't. We just weren't sure about. I guess coming into the season, it was always my big question mark about the offense. Is you know what do they have on the outside? And I think they've demonstrated in several instances this year the ability to get separation, the ability to be very reliable in critical situations, and the ability to make a big play. Well, Frank, you go do some push-ups. Oh yeah, I do get yourself ready least, for the game Saturday. I do at least fifty push-ups every day. My dad, my dad's an old wrestler, like, and so he, I think he still does like a hundred push-ups a day. <laughs> like that's his thing. Nice. When he was, when he was in his rest, wrestling career, you know, when he started in high school and went through college and everything, and he he was doing like a thousand push-ups a day. Wow. I know. Marshall I never Walker got to here. that level. I've always felt a little bit lacking because I've never reached the level. <laughs> you need to talk to Ron Boone. You need to talk to Ron Boone. Booner always said, after 50 push-ups, you're just showing off. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah well, I heard him say it multiple times. So That's why people that's, gather around me at the gym. After 50, <laughs> just showing off. That's a quality statement. I, you know, Hersh- Herschel Walker was always the one who's like he yeah. never worked out. He looked like a guy who just spent his whole life in the gym, but he was just doing push-ups and pull-ups and whatever else body weight stuff. That's he what did. he said. He was yeah, unbelievable athlete. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe you guys want to do a challenge? You want to do like a push-up yeah, challenge? Yeah, DJ will do it. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. We can talk about it next week. Maybe we can get 
the whole station involved. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be doing you one-handed know? push-ups in no time. <laughs> no time at all. Thanks, Sly. Yeah. All right, Frank, we got to run. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game. We will talk to you next week. All right. Week. You, you guys are the best. Hey, thanks. Right. I appreciate it. Frank Dolce, you hear him on all the shows all week long right here on The Zone talking youth football. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9.05. And it's the way the industry works. Isn't right, but it also isn't surprising. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Purchase Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream. Starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Just had that built bar read, PK. Yeah. And I was uh, flipping around last night, and I came in in the middle of the story on NIL, but uh, that Brian Gumbel show on HBO, Real Sports. Gotcha. They were doing a story on that, and as I was channel surfing, Monday Night Football on a commercial break, wow, Clipper game, that looks lopsided, and flip over to HBO, and there is Algier into the end zone against Boise State. Yeah. And they're doing the NIL story, and they're just about to sit down with, um, I think it was Nick Greer was the guy's name, from Bill Bar. And Nick Greer, the CEO. Right. And, man, they got some free pub out of that. Well, they were all hyped up on it on the uh, walk-on situation. Mm-hmm. They did a big segment on, well, if the walk-ons are scholarship, and they explained, well, if a guy wants to go to BYU, but they don't have scholarships, so he's going to go to a second choice, now he can go walk on at BYU. I and saw so, that piece. Yeah, you saw it, too. So if you're wondering, well, they're giving a lot of money. What are they getting out of it? And he's in that piece talking about how, well, he wants to do this in multiple colleges across the country. And when you think about, well, who, if you're doing a a protein bar, who is your audience? People who eat protein bars. Right. And who are those people? (laughs) Well, I don't know that you can single them out. 20-something guys. Uh, That that could be a core. I know you've got it. You're a fitness guy. Sports fans. You can see why they went... It could be, but anybody. that can get you a bigger bang for your buck, right? Than doing Joe Blow, who's right. a high school teacher. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, HBO called my wife a few weeks ago, and she mistakenly answered it. <laughs> Not HBO, uh, Direct uh-huh. called her and said, "Hey, you've been a loyal customer, and so we want to give you HBO for three months for free." So she said, "Okay, <laughs> all right." Yeah. So normally, yeah. I don't have any movie channels that I pay for. And so we've got that. She's, she said, but then they want to charge you. She said, but don't remember, don't, for, don't worry. I said, I put a reminder in my phone to tell me in January. Drop it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but f- until then. You got uh, it. We got it. So I did see that very thing that you're speaking of. Yeah. And I thought, was, yeah, for, for your product, Bill Bar hit a, a jackpot as far as I'm concerned. They're here. getting free pub on HBO out of it. Exactly. Precisely. Yes. Sweet. And And it's part of a bigger strategy to connect with college athletes all around the country. And if it works, I don't know that it'll work 
around the rest of the country. Uh, maybe it will, but here BYU football is such a big deal that now when I'm driving on I-15 and I see Built Bar, I immediately think of BYU. Mm-hmm. The, the relationship, it was a genius move by those people. Good on them. Sell your product. You got a product and way to go. Uh, and I assume he's a BYU entrepreneur and super. And <laughs> absolute genius move can it work other places i don't know but you can give it a shot i had heard that some people in boise were talking about it too that wait a second byu's getting a leg up on us what do we got to do here because you know they're they're even a smaller place in boise state football but it's the big dog in the area yeah and so at that local level it's not it's it's awesome so why wouldn't they why wouldn't built bar go to boise and do it because you can have that same type of recognition driving whatever their freeways are in Boise. I've been to Boise many times. 15, 84. I, I don't know what they are, but uh, yeah, you see those billboards. So, yeah. I, they did. I thought as I was watching this, thinking, yeah, okay, but how many guys, there's some, how many guys are going to be deciding between uh, Oregon State or walking on at BYU? I just don't think there's going to be that many guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if if you get one guy out of it, great. Then that's a positive. But see, they go, well, all these walk-ons they've had. I put out a statement on Twitter the other night that Algier is the best walk-on that they've ever had. (laughs) You love stuff like that. (laughs) You'd love to do that. (laughs) You'd love to do it to me until I finally saw it for what it was, and now you're doing it. Well, i got to generate emotion. That's my job. And so, oh, you got Chad Lewis, you got Dennis Pitta. Uh, I happen to think a running back is more important than tight ends. Tight ends are valuable for sure, but I think a running back who's carrying the ball 32 times and rushing for 190 yards is more important than a tight end who's catching five or six passes. Just a sheer numbers game. But they'll say, well, you'll get those types of players. Well, the truth is you're already getting them. Tyler Algier already went there. Chad Lewis already went there. Dennis Pitta already went there. They're going to get more of those guys. Maybe they do, but I doubt it. Well, I think the numbers you're talking about, instead of having one or two guys who were walk-ons who are now contributing to you big time, do you end up with two or three guys? Maybe. I agree, because the limiting factor here is, presumably, you're giving scholarships to the right guys. That's what I'm, already, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> but, yes. But, if but there, there are going to be guys. But if there is a squeeze at a position, and you can't give that position more scholarships, but now you get the walk-on. And tight ends actually a great example because you don't usually have that many tight ends. Mm, but if you got five. if you got two in the same year and you only have the scholarship for one, do you get two of them now? Uh, that but that's all in theory. It is. It is. And and there will be years, I assume, where it won't make a difference. But there'll be years where it does. See, I don't really care about that. It's the player who. Gets to be on scholarship, whether he contributes just to special teams or he's a scout team player well, or what have you. Kids who can now walk on who couldn't walk on before, because before when you're walking, that's on, the most important. The family thing. has to be able. Somebody's got to be able to afford it, and now but, somebody doesn't have to be able to afford it. You can't afford it, but you. But can if still you pull can't it off. afford it, then you're not going. Right, you're presumably going to another school and getting a scholarship. 
or junior college or whatever yeah. it might be. And so I, I don't know how much effect it's going to have, but it's a great idea. And from a marketing campaign, it's absolutely awesome. Right. If they can get their, what is it? Yeah. It's just tuition. Is that what? Yeah, that? It's, I think it's six grand for cover. So tuition. if you're if you're a member of the LDS faith, it's six grand. If you're a non-member, it's up to twelve grand. Well, they charge you double. They do. Well, then get baptized and you can save money. Be a great financial move. Yes, it could be. Right? <laughs> you know people who've actually said stuff like that along other lines. So, also uh, a good point. Wait, so this will be the first time you can get baptized. I mean, this is going to get me in trouble, but it's funny anyway. Uh, this will be the first time you get baptized for money as opposed to a girlfriend. You're right. That'll get you in trouble. <laughs> Oh, like that hasn't been done. <laughs> nope, never. <laughs> Come on. You want real talk? You get it here. And we appreciate it. And then there was the point I was going to make in this segment before I got into the Bill Bar stuff. Oh, I thought that was the point. No, it wasn't. I got another one. Oh, really? I'm really going to land I, this thing I legitimately twice. thought this I, was yeah, that's twice. What I thought that was the tease. I've teased it twice. I'm going for the hat trick. I <laughs> thought that was it. Well, when I hit the read, I thought, I really want to talk about the HBO segment. I got this other thing I really want to talk about okay. that is going to... I think this ties into the Aggies and into the Utes and into the Cougars. They're all their football programs, even though it happened in another state. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us. We promise. (laughs) (laughs) It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's a game Cougar fans have circled for a long time as Bronco Mendenhall makes his return to Provo as the Cougars welcome in the Virginia Cavaliers. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join Jake and Ben Friday at the warehouse from 10 to noon. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Ha ha ha! Boom, kaboom! Boom, boom, kaboom! So Matt Wells gets fired at Texas Tech two and a half years in, and his second year was the COVID year. It's a joke. It's a joke. What'd you freaking hire him for? Was he supposed to walk on water? Schools that don't get their place in the pecking order, that want to be better than they are. Everybody. Texas Tech, away from the uh, major population bases, halfway across West Texas, looking at what Baylor and SMU are doing and thinking, why not us? Go to Lukenbach, Texas. It's Waylon and Willie and the boys. But if you know you don't have the right guy... If you've seen stuff behind the scenes. How do you know you didn't have the right guy? You just barely got there. Did, I don't know the situation. Did, did the AD and the president, did they change? I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know if he's got the, I don't know if he's got the AD who hired him. But giving someone an extra year when there's some doubt has paid off for local schools. Gary Anderson didn't exactly jump into the deep end of the pool and have success right away at Utah State the first time he was there. Now it ends up going great, and they have the 11-win season, and they win the whack. And he gets a Wisconsin job off that. Kyle had two five and sevens, and some other places they might have let him go, 
But you get them one more year, things get rolling, and man, it's a good thing you waited that out. Well, LSU, you get rid of a, a what's-his-face deep-throat dude. Orgeron. After two years of removed from winning the whole thing. A year and a couple of games removed, yeah. He didn't even get the full two years. I mean, ultimately, they're going to let him coach the second year, but they already made the move. Right. Halfway through. And last year was a screwy year. Does it wreck you that much? Do you lose that much ground if you give someone one more year? Croton had two bad years, and they gave him a third year, and he had a third bad year, and they let him go. And you were on the beat then, and you know that there were people advocating for letting him go after two. No question. But ultimately, it didn't hurt them that they gave him. It didn't pay off either. But it didn't hurt the program the third year. Yeah, but you don't know that. You're, you're looking in retrospect. Right. I, I am looking in retrospect, absolutely. But I'm trying to use history to be your guide the next time. Does it hurt you that much to okay. give somebody one more year? But at the same I get your point, but at the same time, if you're going to fire somebody, do it. Clay Helton. Okay, you can argue he you could have done man that walking. three years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. But if you're determined to do it, do it. Even if it's ridiculous, we do is it. what we think looking at Texas Tech from afar. Not knowing what's going on in the building at 5.30 a.m. I have just been told but, there's no athletic director change there. Okay. So it's the same guy. It seems awfully early in the process. You're Texas Tech, too. Now, I've never been to Lukenbach or Lubbock. Why do you say Lukenbach? Because it's a, it's a country song. Okay. Let's go to Lukenbach, Texas. Cliff Kingsbury won eight games there, went eight and five in his first year, 2013. Look at him now. He's seven and zero. That was their last eight-win season, 2013, eight years ago. They haven't had a seven-win season since he did it in 2015. Four, four, five, six, five. I mean, it's it's... One mediocre season after like another, and and diving and, uh, and Wells last year, the two not <laughs> yeah right the two non league games that they didn't play, typically are wins. They'd have been six and six, but they played ten games in a screwy season. Mm-hmm. Or he'd have been six and six and bowl eligible. It was a bad look last Saturday because they had the lead against K State and then they lost. Yeah, they had a decent sized lead. I was twenty four or something like that. Uh, and because I, I have to admit, admit I, not that I was buddies with Matt, but I know him a little bit. We had him on the show. I talked to him, and so I follow him, and I root for root for him to do well. So I always was aware of case. What was uh, going on uh, at Texas there. Tech? Every yeah. time you even, yeah. even if it was just the ticker while you were watching another game, you're exactly. Like, What's Wells doing? Right. Well, and I did question. And it was clear he was going to take whatever Power 5 job he was going to get, basically. And when he took that job... And you I, thought, that's uh, a tough job. Yeah. That's yeah. a tough job. You know, are you going... You're probably going to end up getting fired. Mm-hmm. But not... Not after two and a half years. years. And I don't even consider last year a full year. So it just seems so premature. And who do you have? Do you have some slam dunk dude that you just got to have? I read a list of that yesterday, and it was a list of every coach who's having – like the, the UTSA coach. Mm-hmm. Well, he's in yeah, Texas, yeah, 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 yeah. and he's 8-0. Right. And, and the dream is Sonny Dykes, because his dad was there 
Oh, for sure. 30 yeah. years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 Absolutely. years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And so he's crushing it at SMU. So it's that kind of list of, and then there's people who are um, uh, USC's offensive coordinator. Harold. Harold has Graham got ties. He's, and so, so it's everybody with a Harold's Texas name. or Texas Tech tie who's an OC or a head coach somewhere and having a bit of success. And they had eight to 10 names on this list. But again, it's like eight to 10 names on the list, and those eight to 10 people might be going, uh, what are your expectations? What's the money? How many years? Oh, yeah, and this sets How a much bad chance precedent. Really you're, you're dumping some dude before he's had a full cycle. You, if you recruited somebody as a freshman three years ago, they're a sophomore this year. Yeah. Maybe. Right. If they redshirted and then last year didn't count, they could still be a freshman. I'm not familiar with their roster. I know they got the quarterback from uh, Oregon who transferred over there, Phoenix kid, Shuck. Shuck, yeah. Uh, I know that. Well, the Columbia kid went with Wells down there he to did. Texas Tech. He did, yeah. Three coaches in five years. It's... But you're looking at Utah State where he was at, and they make a coaching change and come off a one-win season, and now they're leading the division clearly with yeah, the inside Yeah, because he brought track. in 16 transfers. And who's to and say the And he brought in the best coach. offensive player and the best defensive player. Who's to say the next Tech's coach won't do the same who's thing? Who's to say Matt Mells wouldn't have done, done the, the same, same thing? thing. <laughs> and there's college football today. When we come back, Dylan Colley, stay with us, former BYU wide receiver on Bronco. And UVA and a couple of six and two teams going at it. That's next. Stay with us.